Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. What a story indeed. And let's give these folks a hand and thank them for their heart to share what, what's going on and, and what really uh, jumped out to me uh, besides kids crawling everywhere and stuff. That, that's a whole different thing. Um, was what they talked about as far as when your world just kind of whoop falls apart. I mean, what do you do? When, when everything that you thought was going to be and trusted in and had hoped for um, is gone. That's life. You know, so many times we, we all deal with that. And, and again, we want to welcome you all to Connections. And you were given a handout when you came in. If you would take that out and a pen or a pencil, something to write with and take some notes. Uh, we're continuing in our story, this study that's been so impactful and so powerful. And, and today we're, we're turning our, our attention to the subject of what a difference a day makes. And as our story continues, last week, how many of you were here for Easter Sunday last week? And man, we celebrated that our hero. Jesus came to save us from our sins, and and in in the message entitled "Our Hero Rises" and and He reigns victorious over everything, and and stories as we all know in our own lives have ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and last week was a real up, Amen. And literally that Jesus got up from the grave and came back to life. He arose, and and this means everything for all of us. And I'm telling you something this morning. It also meant everything for Jesus' first disciples. Because what they had experienced was, was similar to what, what Amanda just talked about in, in her testimony. Remember, these are the same 11 guys who are hiding out in fear and failure. Would you write that down somewhere on, on your, your outline, on your arm, somewhere you can remember that? Too often we know what it's like to hide out in fear and failure. And and, and when Jesus was arrested and taken off to be crucified, that's what happened to these guys who had kind of just walked out on him and, and ran and hid and, and, and were scared for their own lives. And, and that's a terrible place to be at, hiding in fear and failure. I'm going to tell you this morning, because I've been there myself, it is miserable. You got that? Hiding out and living in fear and, and failure is, is one of the most miserable, probably the most miserable place to be in in our entire lives. Many of you in this room have struggled with fear. And many of you in this room also have struggled with failure. As a matter of fact, I believe that we've all had a little bit of failure, and some of us a lot of failure, in our lives at some point in time or another. So you talk about feeling hopeless and guilty, they sure did. Because of the way that they deserted Christ at the most critical time for him, just as he was being arrested and led off to be crucified. Where's your friends? Where are those that were closest to you that traveled with you for over three years and were by your side and, and stuck with you through the thick and the thin? And all of a sudden, when it gets the, the thinnest of all, you look around and they're gone. Talk about a, a tough place to be in. And that went on for two days for these men. As they were just feeling all these emotions. But how many of you know, as we talked about last week, Sunday was coming? <laughs> Aren't you glad for Sunday? I mean, I look forward to it every single week. Many people in this room and outside of the room look forward to Friday. I mean, you just live for Fridays. You can't wait for the weekend. But I got to be honest with you, I live for Sunday morning. 
I live for a time when we can gather together as family and celebrate this risen Savior that I'm telling you about right now. I can't wait to get here. I don't come dragging in with my head hung down saying, well, i got to make the donuts again. How many remember that commercial where the guy every morning was going in in the middle of the night, it's time to make the donuts. I come in with a little pep in my step. How about you? I come in with some excitement in my heart. I come in with anticipation of just wondering what God's going to do on this glorious Lord's day that we get to be together as family. And listen to me and look at me around. If you don't come in like that, then next week give it a shot. I think you'll find it to be very helpful to you in your walk with Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. It'll be helpful to us as a church. Imagine if all 250 of us came in into this building, kids and youth and adults and everybody, and even Don, 130 years old, came in with that excitement in our hearts and anticipation. I can't wait to be in God's house with my family. What would happen? Think we'd blow the roof off this place? Think they'd be calling the police on us again and again and again, saying, I don't know what them crazy connections people are doing over there, but you need to go check it out. Sunday was coming, and that meant Jesus raised from the dead. And I want to just make this statement again. What a difference a day makes. How many of you remember a few days ago when we went through a stretch of 80-degree temperatures for like three days in a row, and then all of a sudden you woke up and it was 40 degrees? And you were thinking to yourself, and I said this to myself, what a difference a day makes, man. Give me the 80 degrees back. I don't want this 40 stuff. But I want to tell you something. It's not in the time itself that there's a difference, but it's what happened during that time that always makes the difference. It's not necessarily that period of 12 hours or 24 hours or whatever it may be where things dramatically turn. No, it's in the what took place in that amount of time that really makes the difference. And we're going to look at that today. Time will keep on marching. Look at me, church. Time can keep on marching and nothing ever change but not in this situation. Time can continue to move forward in your life with changes that need to happen. These guys were stuck. I mean, they were locked into fear and failure. They felt like they had no hope whatsoever, and they could have remained there for the rest of their earthly lives if nothing had changed for them. And I'm here to declare that to you, everybody who's listening to this right now, no matter if you're in this room, on this campus, watching, listening via live stream or other media sources, whatever the case may be, time will continue to march on. But whether or not dramatic transformation is going to take place in your life or not is solely up to you allowing God to come and live in his resurrection power in you and change the situation. If you let him, he will. If you don't, he can't. And you say, oh, he can't. He can do all things. He will not force our will. We have to come to him in full surrender and say, you know what, God? I am locked in this fear, and I am lost hopelessly in this failure. But with you, I, something inside of me just believes that you are able to come and release me from these, these enemies. But do we believe that? And will we let him do that? The third day did something in them, and I wanted to do something in us. I prayed that we would come into this place today, and we just couldn't wait to get into his presence, and we would be just worshiping and lost. We would just be celebrating this glorious resurrection that we celebrated last Sunday on Easter. 
I pray that that would be the case. And, and I, I guess it was just a case of the, the spring break hangovers. I don't know, but, but it was just a little bit of a lull in here this morning. And my heart just kind of broke for that. And you say, Pastor, it's hard to keep excitement. It's not. And I'm going to tell you how we can keep that same excitement, that same zeal, that same passion, that same resurrection celebration mentality every day of our lives. If you'll just go with me for a few minutes, will you do that? Ask your neighbor, I'm going, are you going? I'm not going to miss this. I want to share with you a few things that made the difference in these early first disciples' lives, and they will in ours this morning, and, and every day of our lives as we continue looking at our story. The first thing on your outline is simply this. The disciples had a blank page, a new start, a clean slate. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like that, is there? Uh, it, it's kind of funny, and I, this is probably a dumb analogy, but how many of you love clean sheet day at your house? Man, there's nothing like peeling those, those blankets back, that comforter back, and, and, and those clean sheets that have not been slept in. They've been laundered, and they smell great still, and you haven't got your stinky self all over it, and, and you, know, you know what I'm saying. And, and man, it's clean sheet day. There's nothing like that fresh start. You got, and they're good and cool, too. You know, you don't want a hot bed, do you? You want to get in that nice, crisp, cool sheet that's like fresh and laundered and smells wonderful still. And you're like, man, this is sleeping right here. This is the way it was meant to be. Well, just kind of let that be an image in your head about life in Christ, that, that clean sheet day, that new glorious blank page and, and clean slate that God brings to us and says, hey, guess what? You may have failed, but you're not a failure. You may have disappointed me right here, but it's okay because I am the God of forgiveness. I sent Jesus to die for your forgiveness. It's okay. And that's exactly what these disciples needed, and that's exactly what they got. Jesus went to each of his disciples, either individually or in groups, and he forgave them and restored them back into their ministries. Don't you love that? He said, guys, it's not over, it's just beginning. I believe that's a word for many of you today, that it's not over, it's a new beginning in your life, in your heart, in your ministry, in your calling. Whatever God has for you. They were cleansed from their sins and given a brand new start, just like he does with us when we fall at his feet and say, Lord, forgive me. I need you to wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Please understand, don't, don't let this get away from you. When we get this new start, where it comes from is the ending of a tough season. It comes from a place of, yeah, I walked out on you, Jesus. How could you ever forgive me? Yeah, I, I deserted you when you needed me the most. How, how could you ever let that go? God, I don't understand. I, I blew it. I failed you. I denied you. Whatever the case may be, how, 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 how? And Jesus says, stop. That's over with. You are forgiven, and I am forgetting that thing. I love what Paul says in his writings in the New Testament. He said, forgetting those things that are where? Where are they? They are behind me. What does that mean? They are in the whoop, whoop, whoop past. They are not here with me any longer in the present. They are gone. They are done away with. They are covered in the blood of Christ. They have been removed from me. They are a part of my history. They are not a part of my present. And guess what? Jesus said they don't have to be a part of your future as well. You're free. That's a clean slate. So the ending of a thing has to be just that. 
let it go. Let it be done with. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Behold, the old things have passed away and all things have become. Whoa, I love that. They have become brand new. This is what Jesus did for these disciples. It's what he does for us. And I can tell you, I sure needed it in my life. And so do you. And he's here today to do that. Here's another thing I love about this. He doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't remind it, remind us of it over and over. And well, you know, we're good now, but you remember two years ago, don't you? You, you, you really hurt me. <clears throat> I, I, it's, I've forgiven you. It's, it's just hard to, hard to forget. So, you know, just don't forget. I'll keep reminding you, okay? He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't hold it over her head. He doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't kind of look at us sideways. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Uh-huh. Remember what you did. He doesn't do any of that. You know who does that? We do, don't we? We're really good at that. Yeah, you might be good. We might be square now, but I, you, you know what you did. I, he doesn't do any of that. Clean slate. Turn to somebody and say, clean slate. Turn to somebody else and say, clean slate. Forgiven, free, whole, new. I love that. Next, the disciples had new direction. Jesus directed them to go into Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And he says this, get together. It's time to get together, people. I want you to be one as me and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one together in unity and prayer. And wait on what? He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, find that upper room, gather together, and wait in unity for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going to come to you. You see, what happened is he, he had given them a U-turn. You ever had to make one of those? Now it goes something like this. Wrong turn, please redirect, redirect. Wrong turn, please redirect. Back in the day, it was like, oh, man, I missed my turn. Now i got to turn around. We had to say it. Now we've got somebody chirping in our ear telling us everything, right? How many of you are looking forward to the day them self-driving cars are, are a reality for everybody and we can just take a nap? <sighs> just wake me up when I get there. That's cool. I can catch up on a little bit of sleep. I have no time right now to sleep, right? He gave them a U-turn, new direction. They were already scattering as we talked about just a little bit last week, and they were heading back to their old lives. I'm going back fishing. I'm going to go collect taxes again. I'm going to go and, and do whatever I was doing because this is over with. What we thought was going to happen through Jesus, the new king, it was going to set up a kingdom, all that. It did not happen. They killed him, and we're, we're, we're over and done with. We might as well head back to the old way. And Jesus said, whoop, put the brakes on. I'm back. Hello, ta-da. It's amazing. Here comes the guy that was brutally killed, living and breathing and giving us new direction. What a story. And folks, that is our story. It's all of ours who accept it and grab a hold of it and make it our own personally. We're taking direction from the same risen Savior, or we, we should be. If, if you're not, we'll let you in a little secret. You're going the wrong way. Anybody love that movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? <laughs> Some of the young kids are here and go like, planes who, what, trains, what? They're cruising down the highway, middle of the night, tired as can be, and that 
that old junker car, and then people go up, you're going the wrong way. Classic line. How do they know where we're going? I love that. I said all that just to say that. How do they? Jesus knows. And he wants to redirect us and turn us back the right direction. And the first direction he gave to them was to go to Jerusalem and wait on the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what they did? Yes, sir. We are on our way. Count us there. We're heading that way right now. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to wait. We're going to go for it. They followed direction. And I just want to give you this little piece of wisdom and knowledge. Life sure works better when we listen to him. So you're like, what a revelation. That's what I've been missing all this time. Okay. So let me ask you this. What direction are you going in your life? Then number three. We find out the disciples had new unity when they were gathered in that upper room at Jerusalem. A funny thing happened with this diverse bunch. And they were a a diverse bunch. You see, in the church, the Holy Spirit also brings fellowship instead of factions. Acts 4.32 tells us these powerful words. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him that was his own. But all things were common property to them. I love that. Because, you see, the possibilities of divisions among the disciples was really, really great. Why? Because they were sinners. Anybody else in this room a sinner? Saved by God's grace, but still at times, the old man wants to creep up and say, give me, give me, give me, that's what I want. And that's what the risk was in in unity being established here was that they were still struggling in these physical bodies and the flesh that we all deal with. There were many cares of the world to consider, even possible fighting for a position within the ranks of Christianity. Remember, though, this fighting had already started back in Luke chapter 9, verse 46, which says, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. Remember, Jesus had to put out that fire. I mean, here's the way the kingdom of God works. We're going to talk about the great commission, the mission of the church, in just a couple moments here. But what happens is, that's our mission. But what happens too often is, we get over here sidelined and sidetracked by little disputes and arguments. Well, I should have that position. Well, I should be over this. Well, I should have this title. Well, they should bow down and call me master and kiss my ring and all that stuff. And Jesus is over here going, wait a minute, guys. What in the world is going on? Well, it is. It's the world stuff. That's what's going on. Get back on track. See the mission. Be the mission. Live the mission. Forget about selfishness and pride and all this other garbage that is gripping your life right now and let it be crucified and done away with. Live the mission. Be the mission. Serve me. Live for me. Love. Live in humility. It all goes back to this one word, pride. It's where it all started in heaven with with Satan. He puffed up with pride. And now he tries to infect every one of us with that same poison. That is the enemy of unity. Who is the greatest? I'll tell you who the greatest is. It was not Muhammad Ali by, by no means. Jesus Christ, our King. Where do we rank? Way down here. He said, if you want to be the greatest of all, you've got to be the servant of all. Is that right? That's coming later, upside down kingdom. Just, just be ready for that. They had fought over who would be the greatest. Now, they are one heart and one soul. 
full of the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking the word of God together in one accord because their devotion to Jesus is now more important than their devotion to the world. Their humility was more important than their greatness. Their bond was more important than their possessions. Their love for one another more important than their love for themselves. And it was this kind of unity in love and devotion to one another that helped fuel the conversion of their world. And I just want to tell you this right up front. It wasn't a program. It wasn't a scheduled revival meeting. It wasn't a, a lecture series by the, by the church, by Peter and Paul and all them, or great church services. No, here's what it was. The Holy Spirit had consumed them, filled them to overflowing, and now they were living a Spirit-led, filled life. That's what it is. That's what brings us together. That's what crucifies the flesh. And all of its selfishness and pride is the power that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in us, living fully in us, that we no longer live. It's not I, Paul said, that lives, but it's Christ in me that lives. That's what makes the difference, church. We can talk a good game about unity. We can preach and teach on unity. But until we get the fullness of the power of the resurrected spirit of God living in us, then we ain't going to have that unity. And I'm going to tell you, look at me. If we don't have that unity, then guess what? This thing's going to implode. Now, the good news is we're doing pretty good with that at Connections Church. Because here's what happens when somebody kind of comes along and wants to disrupt that. They realize quickly, you know what? something's there that won't let me do what I want to do. And either they're changed or either they change addresses. Because it don't fly here, right? Look at somebody and say, it's not going to fly here. We are not going, this is precious. This is eternity stuff here, church. This ain't patty cake play games and let's just go through the form. No, this is real. This is a calling of God for his people to come together as a church and as a family and move the divisions out and say, we will not be divided. We will not infight. We will not attack one another. But we are united together in our great God to fight the real enemy who's out there trying to still kill and destroy everything of the kingdom of God that he can while he still has a little bit of time left to do so because his time is quickly running out. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a church that is united in him and not going to play those games. I'm telling you right now, that's what's happening. About to bring the preach out of me. Come on now, church. They were united together in Christ for the, I believe, for the first time as a team. Even with Jesus there with them, they weren't united. Did you, did you ever picked up on that in studying what would happen when he was here with his band of disciples? I mean, how could they be united? Judas was, was working behind the scenes to betray him, to sell him out for 30 pieces of measly silver. Other ones were over here squabbling, as I mentioned a moment ago, who's going to be the greatest? We want to be at your right hand. We want to be at your left hand. And I want this. I want that. And they were not united even with Jesus right there, hanging out with them at the table, saying, what's up, fellas? What's for dinner today? Oh, we need some? Just bring me a few fish and some bread. First time was when the Spirit came and filled them and shook them and changed them from the inside out. 
and united them as a true body of believers. Church, we got to have that unity of the Spirit. The cross helped bring this about. That great plus symbol brings us together. Let, let me give you a little math equation that I came up with early this morning when I was going back over things. Write this down. You're going to like it. Some of you are looking at me like a, you got a little doubt, but don't doubt. You're going to like this. Me plus you plus Jesus equals one. You're like, well, pastor, that's three. No, 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 no. It's one. And this is called kingdom math. Huh? Me plus you plus Jesus equals how many? Hold it up for me. One in him together. Listen to me. A huge key to getting it together. How many of you ever made that statement? Have you ever heard that statement hundreds of times? I'm going to get it together now. I'm really, I've been messing around too long. I'm, this is it, man. I'm getting it together. Let me tell you a big key in getting it together, whatever we think it is, it is actually this right here. That's got to be together. Nothing else is going to be together. The big key to getting it together in life is getting together with him and you. That's a big key. Getting together with our family. Terry talked about it a few moments ago. Coming together each week and connect groups and doing life together. And if you're not doing that, you are missing it big time. Because we can share in little huddles. We can do life, as Tim said in the videos, in circles and not rows. And we can, we can pour our hearts out. And we can bond together. We can grow together. We can become one in God with each other. Unity. I could preach all day on that, but some of you are like, hmm. I hear that country-style state calling my name. Next on your outline, the disciples had a new commission. The next direction that Jesus gave them was to go to Ranlow and preach the gospel, right? Any Ranlowians in here? Well, maybe he didn't say it like that. He said to go into half the world that we like. The other half we don't like, forget those suckers. They can just burn. I mean, that's right. Half the world, no. Go into most of the world, right? We'll cover as much as we can. How many of you love those commercials? You good at doing breaks? Eh, we're okay. You good at preaching the gospel? Eh, we're okay. No, we want to be better than okay. He said to go into where? All the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is what? The good news that Jesus came to rescue us as we celebrated and we celebrate every wake and every day. Go into all the world and preach. If you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit does not want you to be merely keepers of the aquarium, right? We pray for new faces to show up here. We invite, I invite people to church every single week. I ask people where they're at with Christ every single week. Why? Because I am not just a keeper of the aquarium. I am called to be a fisher of men. I'm called to go out and cast the bait and say, hey, Jesus loves you and has a great life for you and wants to redeem you. He wants to love you and set you free and he wants to make you whole. And, and that's our commission to go and preach and go and preach and go and live it out. Let our lives be a message, but also use our words and proclaim the goodness of our great God. Church, that's where it's at. He gave this second direction to them to go and to do just that, to preach. And I'm not talking about gimmicks. 
I'm not talking about stuff that tricks people to come in. I'm talking about Acts 4.33. It says, with great power, the apostles proclaimed to the, to the world the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and a great grace was upon all of them. That's what we're talking about. With great power, proclaiming that Jesus is alive. What happened from that? Acts 2.41 over 3,000 people came to Christ. Acts 5.14 tells us they couldn't even count them. Here's what it says. Multitudes converted to Christ. We, don't, we can't even tabulate. I got my iPhone out, but I'm burning up his calculator. I can't even get them all in here. I mean, multi, I'm just going to tell you. Multitudes came. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like this vast throng of people that, that I, you, couldn't even, you couldn't even see the horizon for people falling off the, the edge of the horizon. It's so many people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.45 says 5,000 converts came to Jesus. They came and surrendered. Acts 6.7 says multiplied numbers came to Christ. Boy, to see that happen today. I'm not talking about filling up a church building. I'm not talking about our numbers rising here and us having thousands in the that's that's a byproduct of it. I'm talking about populating heaven with people who are on their way to hell. I'm talking about the greatest U-turn of all that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead. But now I'm alive forevermore. That's what we're talking about. That's what happened when they preached the gospel of Christ. So many people try gimmicks today and, and even on TV and radio we're lied to and conned into believing the greatness of a product by our miracle wrinkle cream. It's so good it's going to take your, your husband's wrinkles out. He don't even have to put it on. Just be close to you and it'll work on him. Gimmicks are thrown our way. Discounts, programs, promises, and appeals. Gimmicks to get our money. Gimmicks to get us to listen. Gimmicks to get us to join. Gimmicks to, to, to get us to believe and to, to get us to vote and on and on and on. But not so with the kingdom of God. It's about preaching Christ crucified and resurrected and alive forevermore. That same Jesus who changed the lives of millions throughout history is here to change your life as well. It's about not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but being a bold preacher and proclaimer and liver of that gospel that we're doing what he's called us to do, that we are light and we are salt to a world that's decaying and dying. That's what it's all about. And we preach with power and we preach with anointing and we share with lives that are so full of the glory of God that people look at us and say, I don't know what you got, but I got to give me some of that. How? What do I need to do? Are we living lives like that or not? Because they sure were. They literally were changed men. I'm going to tell you, it's not comfortable to be shaken as the Holy Spirit shook the room the disciples were in. But I want you to know this this morning. It's necessary if we're going to fully live as Christ created us to. It is necessary. When we stand before him on judgment day and give an account for our lives individually, he's not going to ask us how many awards we won in a sporting competition. He's not going to ask us how many levels we climbed on the ladder in our business world. What he's going to ask us is, what did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him yourself? Did you go out and share him with everybody you could? You're saying, Pastor, I don't want to feel guilty. I don't either. I want to feel full of God's power. 
I want to run the race that he's called me to run. I want to take this glorious good news and give it to everybody I can. And so therefore, if I do as a faithful steward and servant of the living God what he's called me to do, then I'll be able to stand before him and hear him say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into heaven today. That's what happened with these early disciples. And I'm going to tell you, this kind of preaching usually pairs the crowd down. So some of you may not be back next week. and That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But you see, i got to stand before God and give an account as a minister of the gospel. Did I tickle your ears? Did I give you a safe place to feel good but not confront your sins? Not confront our apathy? Not challenge us to be everything that God created us to be or, or what? You see, i got to live with that. As long as I stay faithful to that, then I can lay my head down at night and, and sleep knowing that I was a faithful steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. With eyes on yourself or your brother or sister's faults or the problems in the church or whatever the commission of the church is, what it, it's, it's to evangelize the world. And it's often ignored, and the church becomes a stale keeper of the status quo. And that's not what we're about here. It's not comfortable to be shaken. But boy, do we need it. It is necessary in our lives again and again and again to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you, what do you want to be? Filled? Comfortable? Quiet? Safe? or a radical disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you bold in Christ or weak and timid? Are you more willing to endure affection than fellowship? Whichever your condition, one thing is for sure. We all desperately need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We need his power to give us boldness to, to live this overcoming victorious life. We need his love to give us peace and hope. And we need his grace to show us who Jesus really is. Number five, the disciples found that new power. In the church, the Holy Spirit makes witnesses out of weaklings just days earlier. These men were hiding out in fear, as I said. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be. Not you might be, or you could be, or possibly you'll, you'll make the grade. No, he said, you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even in the uttermost parts of the earth, including Ranlow. Nobody from Ranlow. That's hard to believe. That power, the word dunamis is where we get our word dynamite from the Greek word. The death and resurrection of Christ brought the Holy Spirit, the indweller of the church, and all of the members of the church who will open up and receive. The church had to first be cleansed by the blood of God before it can be filled with the power of God. Amen? Church, I just want to give you this. We can't afford to be the people who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And lastly today, the disciples turned their world upside down. If you'll read through the rest of the book of Acts, and I challenge you to do that in our story this week and find out what that rest of the story looked like, it's, it's all about how their world was turned upside down by the preaching of the gospel from people who had lived and received the power of the Holy Spirit, who had the Holy Spirit upon them and in them and through them, these first disciples. If you think about it, just, just as we close right now, Consider the initial weakness of these same men 
Peter lied and denied knowing Christ. Thomas doubted Jesus. He doubted his own words about his resurrection. He wouldn't believe until he got to what? Touch those scars himself. The disciples deserted Jesus in his hour of pain and difficulty, yet this tiny group ended up turning the world upside down. What is the equation in that? The Holy Spirit plus them changed the world. Them without the Holy Spirit couldn't do anything. I mean, they couldn't even get out of their own way. They were falling over their own feet. They were denying, running, hiding, fearful, faithless. But all that changed. Look at me. What a difference a day makes when that day is full of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Would you close your eyes just for a moment and listen to me? Listen to me. This is our story. And let me, let me remind you strongly here. We as God's people have to stay on script. Listen. The church has been ad-libbing for far too long and has become this tragic comedy. We, we have become, as the bride of Christ, in a lot of places, a farce and not a force. Why? Because we've tried to develop ways to make people feel comfortable and safe and, and pleasant. That's not the gospel. The gospel says... That it's going to rip out everything that's contrary to Christ. And remove it and crucify it. Nail it to the cross. Our sins. And it's going to change us and transform us. To this glorious new creation in Christ Jesus. So I tell you this morning church. We've got to stay on script. And the script is is the precious word of God. We can't afford to deviate. We can't afford to add to it or take away from it, church. That's our story. We're called to live it out day by day, moment by moment. If you're in here in this room this morning and right now in your own heart, in your own life, you'd say, you know what, pastor, I've struggled. I've gotten so far off script or I've gotten a little bit off script. Man, I, I'm wondering, I'm lost, I'm powerless, I'm, I'm living in fear, I'm living in failure, but not today. Today is a new day. Today I understand clearly that Jesus came to change my life just as he did those first disciples. And I want to surrender everything to him. Maybe you've been trying to live without the power of the Holy Spirit filling your life as a Christ follower. And you understand clearly today that just cannot be and it will not work. Whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life. Maybe you haven't accepted his amazing gift of salvation. I don't know. If not, today is your day. He came for you. He loves you. He died. He rose again for you. And he says to you today, if you will let me in, I'm standing at your heart's door knocking. I will come in and I will be your God and your king, your everything. Whatever your case is right now, with eyes still closed for just another moment, would you just say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I got some of this stuff going on in my life, and I want to just be radically changed today by the power of Christ, by the Holy Spirit doing great things in and through me. Can I see your hands across this room? Would you just lift them up now and say, don't forget me in this prayer time. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. How many others? Just lift them up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I need Jesus. Pray for me. I need a change. I need, I need power. I need wholeness. I need healing. I need to be, be 
away from the fears that have gripped my life for far too long. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step right now. Stand up from where you're at and come down and meet me right here at the front of this church. And we're going to get down to business with God right now. Before we leave this place in a little bit, we're going to get down to business and pray together just as the disciples did in that upper room. They were gathered there as God directed them. So would you come now? Would you make your way? Thank you. Thank you. Would you come now? If you raised your hand, come. If you didn't, but you need to be down here. God's working on your heart, dealing with your life right now, touching something in you. Would you come and stand with these that are making their way down right now? Come on. Come on. This is your day, your time, your moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many others? Don't, don't walk away from this place without responding in obedience to everything that God is speaking to your heart and life right now, just as these are doing around this altar. Would you come now? Would you come now? And I want some folks to come and stand with them and pray with us this morning. I, I want a bunch of people to come and, and gather around this, your family, and, and say, you know what? We are together in this. We are unified. We are your brothers and your sisters, and we are going to be with you every step of the way, praying together, loving together, serving together right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Men and women responding across this room, rallying around these, these men and women gathered here. Would you come now? Would you come now and pray with family and pray for family? I want everybody else to stand to your feet across this room as others are still coming. And again, if you need God to do something transformationally in your life, would you make your way down as we pray and we worship and we celebrate? God is in the life-changing business and doing that just now as we respond to Him and say yes. Father, thank you for every one of these folks that came down this morning because what you're doing in their lives is eternal God. What you're doing in their hearts is eternal God. And, and Lord, you're making the changes that need to be made as they surrender and say, yes, God, I feel your presence. I know you've touched my heart. I know you've spoken to me in this way. And God, I'm going to respond obediently today. I want to say yes, sir, to you, God, and, and allow you to come and make those changes and bring that transformation, God. Set me free, Lord. Give me that boldness, God. Set me on fire as a disciple. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. Shake my life, God, to its core. I don't want to ever be the same again, God. I want to leave this place different than what I came in today. And by the power of your Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am who you said I am. I am all that you created me to be, God. And right now, by your power, Lord, I stand strong in you. And every day moving forward that you give me, I understand, God, is a new day to live for you, to live with you, to live in you, God, that that Spirit can lead and direct my life, God, and over flow me to touch the lives of others right now. Let your anointing be strong in this place. Let it be strong in our lives, God. We declare it in Jesus' name that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper, God, but we are yours. We are yours. And God, our mandate is the same as it was over 2,000 years ago to go out and preach the gospel. Nothing else is worth declaring but your truth above all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it be today, God. Let it be. Let it be in all of our lives as we grab a hold of you, as you grab a hold of us. In Jesus' name. Would you just worship together with us this morning, church? Let's sing it out. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.